Now week two of our new series, Jonah. If you missed last week, it was a, a great week. And if you missed, you can get online as Cody and Russ were talking about and you can listen to that. But let's quickly review from last week just to catch us up to make sure we're on the same page. Last week was called The Assignment. And we, we found out that Jonah, and Jonah, you know, Jonah's, I mean, we could go out on the street and talk to people, and they would know about Jonah, whether they'd ever stepped into a foot in the church, right? Everybody has heard about Jonah and the, the whale. They've known the story, but there's a, so much more to it and so much meat. We only got through three verses last week, and I really tried, but we're only going to get through three more this week. I don't know what the next two weeks. We may be in Jonah in March. I, don't, I have no idea. There's just so much in this first chapter But we found out that Jonah was already a prophet. This wasn't his first rodeo. This wasn't his first go-around. He was already a prophet. He knew the voice of God. He he knew what it it was to receive a word from God. And the word, the, the assignment that he got was crystal clear. There was absolutely no ambiguity about it. He got the action. God said, go. He got the where, Nineveh. He got the what, God said, preach against it. And then he got what many of us never get at the beginning of an assignment, and that's the why. Because they were wicked. Because they were wicked. Nineveh was a large, huge, hundreds of thousands of people city, very rare in that time time period. It was a pagan city full of non-Jewish people doing non-Jewish things. And they were enemies of Israel, enemies of Israel. Jonah, and they were wicked. They were perverse. They were known to torture their captives. They were known to be involved in child prostitution and child sacrifice in their temples. They were wicked. I made the comparison, what would it be like if God called you to go and minister to ISIS? Woo, that, that, that takes it to a whole nother level, but they were involved in the same type of things. So we get a little better picture of why Jonah ran. But he knew exactly what the call of God was. And the story behind the story is God's grace and mercy that he wants to extend to every single nation on earth, not just Israel. Not just Israel. And then we we, we found out that Jonah did reject God's assignment. And one reason for that could have been, my theory could have been, he was just simply overwhelmed with it. He tried to take all that information at once and embrace it. You know, the, the, the action, the where, the when, the, the how, the, all of that. And try to, he tried to embrace the whole thing at once and it overwhelmed him. And we do the same thing, don't we? Clarity does not always mean it makes it easier to obey. Sometimes it makes it harder. If we know all the details up front, sometimes that actually makes it harder. So I talked about the fact that when we hear something from God and we know it's from him, don't try to make sense of all the details. Just say yes. And then let God take care of the rest as he wills in in, in his uh, time. And I talked about the fact that being overwhelmed is a terrible feeling, isn't it? It doesn't matter what it is. To somebody else, something that's overwhelming you may not be a big deal, but it's a big deal to you. So whatever it is, I talked about math, (laughs) that when I was in fifth grade, I was a little boy, and I was overwhelmed with long division. It sounds crazy, but it just about took me out. I'm serious. I can still feel the anxiety. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's overwhelming to you, it's terrible. 
And I think he was overwhelmed. And then the big idea from last week was surrender, surrender, surrender is the first step to completing our God-given assignment. Surrender. Don't bother with the details and, and worry with the details first. If you do, you won't do it. Just surrender. If you know it's from God, how many know that God wants what's best for us, right? He knows. If it's from God, then what we need to do first is just say yes and surrender. All right, we left Jonah buying a ticket to Tarshish, which was not Tarsus, which is where Paul the Apostle was from. Tarshish was modern-day what? You may remember? Spain! I mean, he was serious about getting away from God in this assignment. He was really going hard the opposite direction. So let's find out and pick up in Jonah chapter 1, verse 4. I'm in the NIV today. It'll be on the screen. Verse 4 says, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. There's something, uh, storms are scary anyway. Anybody scared of storms? Raise your hand. My dogs seem to be really always so frightened. They like, you, they hide under the bed and sometimes people do the same thing. Storms are scary anyway, but there's something just terrifying about a storm on the water that rises up while you're out. Maybe just suddenly you're out on the lake and it's just, you know, suddenly comes up quick and catches you unaware. Uh, in 2005, it was my second time to Brazil the year before, we had planted a bunch of churches along the Amazon River. And so the next year, we went back to check on those churches. And so uh, our plans were delayed, and we ended up traveling to this one particular church in the middle of the night in a 15-passenger, 15-passenger, uh, 15-foot little John boat with a little motor. You know what I'm talking about? Got the picture? In the middle of the night on the Amazon River. That's crazy in and of itself. And then this storm, and parts of the Amazon, by the way, are very large and very wide. And that's, that's part of what we were on. We were on this huge section. And in the middle of the night, suddenly this storm, like you would not believe, comes up. Lightning flashing everywhere. The raindrops, I swear, were as large as my fist. I mean, they were like, pow, pow. <laughs> just taking, the boat was filling up with water. Lightning's going while, you know, this has been five hours into this thing. When it was daylight, we saw crocodile. We knew they were out there or something. I don't know if it was crocodiles, but something, alligators. We knew piranha were in the water. Anaconda, there you go. Just the list goes on and on of wonderful things. We knew all of that was in the darkness. And this storm was raging. There's something terrifying about the storm on the water. That's the situation that they're in. Verse 5. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Okay, so who sent the storm? God did. It said the Lord sent the wind. The Lord sent the violence. So when you hear a preacher say God would never do that, it says it right there. Now, he doesn't always send the storm. Sometimes he simply allows it. But in this case, it was intentional. God sent this storm on purpose as a supernatural message 
to Jonah. Now, the storm was so bad that the professionals, the sailors, were scared. Anybody been on a plane when there's turbulence, real bad turbulence? I mean, it just really gets really bad. Whenever I fly and, and there's a little bit of turbulence, I don't get nervous. What I do is I watch the flight attendant. I watch the professionals, and they, they're pretty good because they're trained. But I don't care how trained you are. If it's, if it's bad and, and if there's danger, they're not going to be able to hide it. So I watch them. As long as I see that they are okay, then I'm okay. When I see that they're nervous, I get nervous and I start praying. Come on. If they're nervous, we in trouble. That's what was happening. The professionals, they had been through hundreds of storms. They had been through things like this and, and, you know, before, but they were so terrified that they were throwing their livelihood overboard because their lives were in danger. So it was bad. Now remember, this is all on who? Jonah. These sailors, these men were going through this terrifying, dangerous, and really expensive, when it comes down to it, storm because Jonah just happened to be in their boat. Look on the screen. When a person is running from God, it will affect those around them. When a person is pushing back and resisting the will of God, you can't get away from this. I'm not judging. I'm just saying. You, it will affect the people around them. Let me bring it home. When I resist God's will and what he's wanting to do in my life, when I'm pushing back on what God's wanting to adjust or do through me and I resist that, it's going to affect my family. It's going to affect you, my church. It's going to affect, let me just take it a little further home, when you are disobedient, when you push back on what you know God is saying to you and wanting you to change or adjust or do or say, and you don't do it, it's going to affect those around you. It's just that simple. Now, we can flip the coin. The other side of that coin is you may be in a storm right now because you have a Jonah in your boat who is running from God. Their storm, listen to me, their storm has become your storm. You might know what I'm talking about. Come on. Does that make sense? This is one of the most difficult tensions we face in life. We have a loved one that's going through the storm, maybe of their life. And because of our proximity to them, we are also affected by that storm. And unlike the men who eventually, we know the story, the men eventually throw Jonah overboard. Against, they really don't want to, but they do it anyway to save themselves. And unlike those men who throw Jonah overboard, that's just not an option for us. I've heard some preachers preach this. You've got to get Jonah out of your boat. I've heard that. And I understand what they're trying to say in that. But what if Jonah is your son? What if Jonah is your daughter? What if Jonah is your grandbaby? What if Jonah is a loved one, a best friend. 
Throwing them overboard isn't such a great option at that point, is it? Come on, let's, can we be real today? We're talking about the storm today. That's the title of this message. Those sailors did not have a relationship with Jonah. Those sailors did not love Jonah. But the Jonah in your life or the Jonah in my life may be somebody that we love deeply. I'm preaching to somebody today. I think it's safe to say if we've lived on this earth long enough and walked with Christ long enough, we can all identify with this. You may be dealing with that right now. This is a divine appointment for you. Can I just prophesy that? This is a divine, this morning, right now, I don't care if you're new in this place or been here for 30 years, this is a divine appointment this morning for you. You may be struggling with what to do next. The thought process goes something like this. God, am I enabling them? Am I really, really helping them doing what I'm doing? When do I stop bailing them out of trouble? When should I let go? Can I let go? Does that sound familiar? Kathy and I have been right in the middle of that kind of tension. And it wasn't a two-month thing or a three-month thing. It was a five-year thing with our son. And it's hard to even think during those times. Am I right? It's, it's, you know, if you, if you can step away from it and look at somebody else's storm, you can, say, you can identify, oh, you need to do, oh, you need to stop. You need to do, do, do. Well, the people don't want to hear that when they're in it because they can't think of anything except just surviving. There is no simple answer, and it irritates people in the middle of a storm to give, try to give them one. Come on. Let me tell you what we did learn in our storm. Look at the screen. Giving up and letting go are two different things. Giving up and letting go are two different things. Things. You don't have to give up on the person to let them go and trust God with them. You do not have to give up on the person to let go and trust God with them. Don't ever give up. Don't ever stop loving. Why? Because my God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above whatever we can think or even ask. Listen. When I was sitting across the table from Chuck this week at Thanksgiving, I can't help every time I see him. I can't help but just look at him and see the resurrection power of Jesus Christ because God raised him from death unto life and he can do the same thing in your situation and in your life. He is no respecter of persons. He will do the same. He can do the same. We don't have to give up on the person to let God handle it. Go ahead and give God praise. Now, <laughs> I'm going to leave that right there just a second. I'm going to leave that tension right there for a little while. And I promise you at the end, we're going to come back to it and we're going to pray. We're going to agree together, okay? Let's continue with our story. Remember, the storm is about to rip the boat apart. 
And then let's continue on the screen. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God and maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. The captain was like, are you kidding me? Anybody ever felt that way? Anybody ever been the captain? Are you the captain right now? How, I mean, he may have been running down there to grab a life jacket. I, don't, I have no idea. And he's grabbing it, and he looked over it in the dark, and there's this dude sleeping on a net. And he runs over there and says, I don't care if you do something wrong, just do something. You cannot sleep through that. How in the world can you do that? We're about to die here. So how could Jonah sleep? How could Jonah sleep in a time like this, in the middle of this storm, in the middle of this crisis? I personally, and this is another one of my theories. Remember last week I had a theory about him being overwhelmed. Now, this is on into his journey, away from God, okay, days. I personally believe Jonah was in a deep depression at this point. Because remember, he knew what it was like to hear the voice of God. He knew what it was like to speak as a mouthpiece. For God, and he knew that he was resisting God. He knew he was walking and running away from God, and that he was out of God's will. I think he was in a deep depression at this point. And I'm not trying to make light of somebody struggling with depression, but what do depressed people often do to escape? Sleep. Now, as I was studying this, there was another storm that came to my mind a storm in the New Testament with very similar story, a very similar story. I want to compare it. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. Then he, Jesus, got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the wave swept over into the boat. Does that sound familiar so far? But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. In other words, they were like the captain. How can you sleep at a time like this? We're dying. Do something, Lord. The stories are almost identical, aren't they? But was Jesus depressed? No, the, the, the big difference here is the reason these two men were able to sleep in the middle of a storm, in the middle of crisis. Jonah slept because he was depressed, I think. Jonah slept because he was attempting to escape reality. Jesus was able to sleep, listen, come on, even when the storm was raging around him because he was at complete peace. Just like a, I think about Christmas and the holidays in the mall and children, when you go and shop at the mall and it's chaos, people yelling, screaming, shopping, eating, whatever, arguing, <laughs> probably. And there's these babies. I mean, they're practically falling out of the, you know, the stroller, and this, all this stuff's going on. Why? Because they're at peace. They're at complete peace, and they're able to sleep with all of that. But why was Jesus at peace? Jesus wasn't a child. Jesus, his life was full of stress every day. Jesus knew the cross was set before him. 
Jesus knew his assignment. Jesus knew the torture that was coming. Jesus knew the separation from the Father was coming. Jesus knew what was coming, and yet he was still at peace. How could Jesus have peace knowing what he was facing? Can I tell you? Because Jesus is peace. Jesus is the Logos. Jesus is the word of the living God. Can I tell you what the word says about Jesus in peace? And Isaiah 9, 6 says he's the prince of peace. Matthew 8, 26 says he's the peace speaker. Acts 10, 36 says he's the message of peace. Romans 5, 1 says he gives us peace because we have been justified by faith. Romans 15, 13 says he gives us peace that overflows with hope through the Holy Spirit. Romans 16, 20 says he's the God of peace. Ephesians 2, 14 says Jesus is our peace. Philippians 4, 7 says his peace transcends all understanding. Colossians 1, 20 says he gives us peace through his shed blood on the cross. And Hebrews 7, 2 says he is the king of peace. So how could he have peace with the cross set before him? How could he be at peace in the middle of the storm? Because Jesus is peace. Somebody praise God for that this morning. He is peace. You see, understand what happened in that boat. He simply projected what was already in him onto nature around him. Do you understand that? He just simply, he was at complete peace and he just projected, because he's God, he just projected that onto everything around him. And it became calm. Jesus was the walking embodiment of peace. And if we have Christ in us, we have that peace available. No matter what is happening around us. How many need that today? Can you just be honest in the house of God? How many need that today? How many need to be able to lay your head down tonight and go to sleep? And be able to really rest even if all hell is breaking loose around you. Can I tell you that's possible? Jesus tells his disciples in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. And then I love how he clarifies. Hold on, guys, you don't get this. My peace, my peace I give you. Everybody say my peace. My peace. I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. He says, look, guys, this is not a false peace. This is not a temporary peace. This is the real thing. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. If you're in the middle of a storm today, if you're in a dark place, maybe you're battling depression or anger. Listen to me. Bitterness. Rejection, loneliness, the answer is not in a bottle. The answer is not in a pill. The answer is not lashing out at your loved ones. And it's also not suffering in silence. Some of those things may bring a, 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 a euphoria or a high for a moment. And I think sometimes we mistake 
those things for peace, but it's not the same thing. Those few minutes or moments that those, those alcohol or drugs or, or lashing out at somebody or pornography or whatever it is that give you this euphoria or a high, it's not the same thing as the peace that I'm talking about. Euphoria is temporary. A high is naturally based. It's, it's experiential. It's substance-driven. Euphoria gives us a false sense of security for a short period of time. But the peace of God is life-sustaining. The peace of God is supernaturally based. It's a gift of God through Christ. That, that kind of peace is available. But it's only available through a relationship with Christ. A relationship is more than head knowledge about Jesus. A relationship means you know Jesus personally. A relationship means you're not just attending church services. That's wonderful. But you're also walking with Christ daily. A relationship means you are following him. Look at the screen. We will never have real peace until we have real relationship. Can I get that on the screen, please? Can we have that slide? Listen to me. We didn't get the slide up. Write this down. We will never have real peace until we have real relationship. With Christ. We will never have real peace until we have a real relationship. I'm, I'm sorry, folks, there's no shortcut to this. There's no way around this. It's just absolutely the truth. You can get temporary things, you can have a temporary high, you can have a temporary escape through you know drinking at night or whatever that is, or taking a pill to go to sleep, but that is temporary, folks. I'm talking about an eternal peace that is life-sustaining even when the storms are raging around you. It only comes through real relationship with Christ. Amy Carmichael was a missionary in the early 1900s in India. Young woman went to India. Listen to this now. She was there 55 years years with no furlough, never went home. She lived in Ireland. She grew up in Ireland. 55 years, and what she did, the temples there were kind of like Nineveh. The temples there were paid for by the prostitution of young girls. And she would go in there and rescue these girls. She built an orphanage, and then she would minister to these girls. Can you imagine the pain that she encountered? Can you imagine trying to go up against these, these priests and these men in this temple, knowing that she was taking from them their livelihood. Very difficult assignment. This is what she said. Listen, to, this is so powerful. There is only one way of victory over the bitterness and rage that comes naturally. Can I, anybody say amen to that? To will what God wills brings peace. To will what God wills brings peace. In other words, trouble and bitterness and disappointment are a part of life. 
The only way to have peace in the middle of those struggles, in the middle of those storms, in the middle of those battles, is to align our will with the Father, to submit our will to His. The best example I can give you is Jesus Himself. Quickly, Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said, listen to what Jesus, Jesus, the Son of the living God, he said, My soul is overwhelmed. What did we talk about last week? My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Another verse talks about the fact that he was sweating great drops of blood. Because his stress level was so high physically. Stay here and keep watch with me. Verse 39, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. Let me say that again. He fell with his face to the ground and prayed. He felt overwhelmed by the situation. This is Jesus. I think if Jesus went through this and Jesus felt this as the incarnate son of God, then I think we probably should do the same thing. Anybody... When he was feeling that way, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed. My father, if it's possible, may this cup pass from me. We're getting the full 100% humanity of Jesus in this prayer. He knew the torture. He knew the nails that were going to pierce his hands and his feet. He knew the whip, the cat of nine tails whip that was going to rip his back open. And the worst part, he knew that the father was going to have to turn his back on him as he took the full weight of sin and judgment upon himself. He knew, and he says, Lord, Father, Father, if there's any way, there's any other way, let this cup pass. But then what does he say? Not as I will, but let your will be done. So how did Jesus make sure his will was aligned with the father? He fell to the the ground, to his face, his face to the ground. And he, come on, he prayed. Y'all are afraid to say it, don't you? There's got to be another way. Come on. And why was he able to meet God and meet the Father that way? Because he had a relationship with him. He was on speaking terms with his father. I'm going to ask you a very tough question. I'm going to have it on the screen. Are you on speaking terms with the father? Are you, not your mom, not your son, not your daughter, are you on speaking terms with the Father. If you're not, it's very likely that peace is lacking in your life. And I highly suggest you start the conversation this morning. If you are on speaking terms, life may not be perfect. Can I get an amen? But there may be a storm raging at this very moment, but you know in your heart of hearts our big idea is true today, and that is peace is only a conversation away. Peace is only a conversation away. 
Is it that simple? It can be. Does that mean the storm immediately will subside? No, it does not. But it means that you can have peace in the midst of the storm. And I have a theory in that. I believe that as you have peace and you bring, come on, that's good. I didn't have that in my notes. Thank you, Lord. I think that if you are at peace in your soul, you stepping into that storm with that person, coming alongside of them being at peace in the Holy Spirit will bring a sense of peace to them by the power of the Lord and the Holy Spirit. And come on, somebody. Do you, anybody believe that? Does anybody believe that this morning? You can bring peace into a storm because you are walking with Christ. Because the peace of the Lord is in you. Now, you may have forgotten all of that in your head, and that's why I'm preaching this today, to remind you that peace is only a conversation away. Now, you may be thinking, what in the world happened with Jonah? I mean, come on, how do we get from there to here? How do we get talking about Jonah to here? This whole thing has been about Jonah. I couldn't get away from it. I couldn't preach anymore. I couldn't get past these three verses because this whole thing has been about Jonah. He rejected God's assignment. He rushed away from God. He refused to align his will to the Father. The result was depression, I think, and certainly bitterness and indifference. The result was chaos and a lack of peace in his life. The result was a fractured relationship with God, and he was no longer on speaking terms with God, and he was no longer listening to God. And all the while, peace was a conversation away. And he would have that conversation. And we'll talk about that conversation next week, but it's just so happened to take place in the belly of a whale. I don't want to have to do that. Does anybody else? I don't want to have to go through something like that. I want to have that conversation 